Welcome to my podcast, where the truth is upheld and my life journeys are unveiled. I love to party. I always have and I always will. I love getting together with people and having a good time. I love having a good down-home blues meal, playing the little cards, and just reminiscing and talking about the times of the day. Love it, love it, love it. And this type of joy of socialization was actually modeled to be by my aunts and uncles, with whom I also love to hang out with as a young as a young woman. I watched them as a child get together and party and laugh and talk and play cards and drink and have so much fun. And I just couldn't wait until the day I grew up to join them. So after I graduated high school, when I was able to go and hang out with them, I did. And I remember those days. And so those are some of the most happiest times of my life. Prior to meeting my spouse, I was dating someone else and that relationship failed. It folded and it turned out to be very toxic, but it ended in stalking. And my aunts and uncles had had developed a very um, close relationship with him. And so they were aware of the end of the relationship and they were aware of the stalking that was happening. But it's like, what happened? My paternal figure was aware and he told me that no one wanted to confront him from our family because he was so nice. But what does nice mean? And what about me? I was his daughter. I was their niece, right? So I'm coming into marriage already having this understanding that it it is me. I'm holding my own two feet, 10 toes on the ground. But I thought as I got into marriage and especially after we had children, that these very same family members that I loved and I loved being around and I loved hanging around and I loved doing things with, I just thought that they would have my back, that they would be, um, participants in our lives and come and visit and you know come see about us and show us some love but I felt that that didn't happen it's not that I felt it didn't and so there was a lot of pills to swallow after becoming a new mom as I said in the previous episode some traumatic event happened and after that still being alone and going through the journey on my own I found out very soon how to walk 10 toes down, rain, sleet, or snow, as they say, hell or high water. It was me and these children and my spouse. So as we grew further apart in our marriage as a new couple, because one, there was so much unhealed trauma, and two, we really didn't have any, we didn't have any opportunities for respite. We had no opportunities for respite. It, would, it just seemed as if um, up or down, right or left, Unless we went out and sought, there wasn't any efforts for those to come and seek for us. And so I had two babies back to back. And my caution at this point in time in the episode, right on the on the top, is to say a village is so important. So if you're listening to me and you're a part of a family structure and you're a part of a family structure and you could contribute, you're a part of a family structure and you are an able body. Please don't just sit back and wait for someone to come visit you. If you see that a woman has had a baby and that she is um, just had a baby, period, offer a lending hand to her. Offer, offer a warm welcome to her. Visit her. A lot of times people don't know what they need. So to wait for someone to ask you 
for whatever for whatever it is that they need to me it does not really showing sincerity that you want to be a part you go offer you go offer and I understand that the love languages for everyone are not all the same, but you go offer. You offer a helping hand to that mom. Offer a helping hand to that dad. Show your face. Don't just let it be on birthdays, Christmas, and holidays. That's not a village. Those are visits. You are then a visitor. You want to be more than a visitor in a system. You want to be a part of a family, a family system, a system of people who work together and that's and see that the well um, the well benefit of each person in that family system is taken care of, not just your own needs, but the needs of others. This is crazy. So as I reminisce on how I used to love to hang out with my aunts and uncles as a young person, I, I believe I had an expectancy growing up that they would also have my back. You know, I always, always used to just think about like, you know, um, just being with them, but just growing up and never really having, never having that feeling that someone had your back. It's like the child that always wants to be with their parent, always wants to be around with their parent and their parent has something better to do, you know, or the child that wants to hang out with their sibling and the sibling always has something to do that's prioritizing over that child's need or desire to just want to be with their sibling, to be with their loved one, you know? So it just, um, you know, when I met him, I had just healed. I was healing and he was in the process of healing from that toxic relationship and um, having been stalked yet again and learning how to live in the shadows and all that came with that. And then from my paternal figure to tell me that nobody wanted to confront him because he was so nice. But what about me? And what does nice mean? Like, what does that even mean? I just came into the marriage with so, so much of a less for myself. I had a less of a standard for me being protected or me having the right, not only as a woman, but as a young wife to feel protected. And so, you know, I kind of digress back to that party thing because as I was now home with my new baby, getting over the mental breakdown, working through that alone, I was having time to unpack some of the wedding gifts so we didn't just get married at a courthouse and then just have a ceremony. We actually had a process. Like he came around my family. I've never hid anybody. You know, I, I'm I'm just kind of all, I'm a super inclusive type of person. So he came around my family. The family got to know him. He definitely wasn't a secret. Like he was just around, around, around. We had an engagement party. We had a family party, not engagement party. I'm sorry. We didn't have an engagement party. We had a family party where we announced, um, the, wedding then and my um paternal mother and father my uh, paternal mother and father um contributed to the party and brought a cake so they knew about it but other people didn't know and so and his family was here from out of town and so it was a really nice time before the marriage before the wedding the actual physical wedding for our two families to come together and there was like a, a few circumstances a few situations in a short period of time where our two families had a chance to blend before we got married um and that had to do a lot with his family living hundreds of thousands of miles away so it was impossible for that to happen until closer to the marriage time um, 
And so I just love to party. And he liked to be by himself. So I'm used to going to the club before it starts so we can get in for free. Hello. And leaving when the lights turn on. When <laughs> always described when the lights turn on, that's when the Holy Ghost hits you. Like, whoop, am I supposed to be here? Because this whole time we've been in the dark and the Holy Spirit's been grieved and I've been having my time doing my thing and then the lights is on and it's like, oh, well, it's time to go. Let's get up out of here. Hello, reality check. You know what I'm saying? That kind of like staying and doing my thing and throwing it down. Loved partying. And then I like to chill. I like to go out and I used to like to, I still do like to be around people and just chill. We had a place called Oasis in uh, downtown Oakland. Oh my goodness. Anybody listening to this who remembers Oasis, you talking about the most chillest spot in town to chill midweek, to hear reggae, top, not uh top, um, what is it called? Top twenties, top twenties on the billboard charts. I think that's what it's called top 20s top 20s um they would have michael jackson theme nights um but then they also had an outdoor patio it was just like the chillest spot and it'd be a little bit of everybody but mostly it'd be caribbeans or um ethiopians but you know most people from like african representation nigerians um lots of nigerians lots of jamaicans lots of caribbeans lots of ethiopians and then a whole lot of other and Americans, of course. And so that was like my midweek kicking a spot amongst a lot of other places. So then I get into this marriage and it's like so boring for me. And it was like that, it was that way before I had the baby. And then when we had the baby, I was fine with being a mom, but I still felt suffocated. Like, man, this part of me has no balance. This part of me that likes to go to karaoke. This part of me that likes to go hang out and listen to spoken word. This part of me that likes to go to the coffee shop and sit down and just chill. Like the old school coffee shop, not like Starbucks, but like the old school coffee shop with the Nora Jones playing in the background. Nice, sweet nothings kind of music, chill kind of vibes, you know, coffee music. I think they call it coffee music pop now or something. Um, But that's what I like to do. And like I had so many different phases of chilling, roller skating. Hello, anybody listening to this who was an old time roller skater? When you actually had the clubs and the groups in my day, we didn't necessarily have the clubs, but you definitely had those who could skate well. But I went to a roller skating ring where... The OGs were the ones who had the clubs back in the 70s and 60s, and it was a big thing. And so when I tell you that music, when I tell you that the culture, when I tell you that kicking it and socializing was a huge part of my life, it literally was. But I I agreed and I became a partner in a marriage that was like a homebody marriage. And... I tried to incorporate my spouse. He really could care less, really, if I went out, but then he did care at the same time. And so it was like to be reverent to him, I would invite him out places, but then I just learned to kind of succumb to just his chill vibe of just wanting to be home. And I believe that took a piece of me. The toxicity in that is that there was no balance for my own need 
to socialize, to talk, to communicate, to get out and just like not be stifled with the energy that God has given me with this, this, um, desire to have human companionship and to, to get into the sphere where you can have joy and, you know, receive from others. And so I was just kind of like melting into this dysphoria of depression because the baby's taking all of my nutrition. The baby's taking all of my um, mental clairvoyance of mind. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That breastfeeding, that pumping, it ain't no joke. And then it's not that I had any um, any guideline as to how to correctly replenish. That's another huge factor. When you've given all that you can to the baby, drinking water just is not enough. There is more that needs to be done for you so that you can replenish your body with what it needs. Because your body's going to make what it needs for the baby. But what about you? And I know I wasn't doing that. I didn't even have the the wherewithal. And when I when I probably the last time I asked my um maternal figure for help and she told me to call an advice nurse and ask the advice nurse because that's what was done to her I was like okay B let's do that then and I'm just gonna check your name right off the list but over the years I still tried to incorporate her and I did incorporate her and she did participate in forms of our lives but it was never as a part of our village it was always as a visitor and I won't speak for her only she can speak for her own heart and the nature of her heart as to why that was the mere facade of her contribution to not only my married life, but my life as a new mother and her only grandchild at the time. So I learned how to acclimate to my spouse's needs. He was into sports. He wanted to stay home and watch sports. So then I became a sports fan. And I remember getting that guidance from someone from a church I had went to a long time ago. And they were just saying that, you know, um, there's a big, huge communication barrier between men and women when it comes to sports. And when it comes to this realm called sports, there's such a divide because of the lack of interest. So you as a woman, if you want to enter the sphere of your of your mate, it would behoove you to learn something about sports, even if you're not all in it, to just at least be be a participant of some of the paraphernalia, you know what I'm saying? The jerseys, the hats, the whatever, be familiar with the teams, be familiar with the colors, be familiar with, you know, maybe what your spouse will want to eat on a, on a party tray. If they're watching a game, you know, or have something to drink. If they drink a beer, if they drink wine, if they drink whatever, you know, have some contribution to that sphere of life. And I will tell you, um, not only as a spouse, but as a parent, it is very important to tap in. Whoever's listening to this, however this crosses over, you don't even have to have children. But it's very important for you in human relationships to tap in to areas in other people's lives that you may not be interested in. At least have a surface knowledge. You know, I'm not heavy into politics, but I intentionally tap into the political sphere because I don't want to be left out. I need to know what's going on because I'm a human being in this earth who is very, who will receive whatever the repercussions are of the political sphere. So even though um, 
It's not my thing. I still tap in enough to know what some of the key ingredients of the political sphere are. And that is what keeps a marriage ticking as well. Just having that um, surface knowledge sometimes could just be enough to open up the door to something deeper that you may not have even thought would be a plausible possibility for you. I never thought I'd be going and having T-shirts made and actually be watching games. Was I ever truly sold out and interested? No, but I had become interested enough to at least become familiar with some of the most popular teams, and it just so happened that that served well over time. It really did because it opened up actually ways for me to communicate with males, one of my siblings included. We can actually have a conversation about sports. Uh, specifically basketball because of me tapping in in the marriage realm and wanting to learn where he was coming from in his desire for that and that has to do with selflessness because it's not about me at that point it's about him and what he desires or what he desired you know so we definitely became a sports family um with in the limited, you know, knowledge that I had. And he wasn't a huge fanatic, but we definitely, you know, had memorabilia, had a paraphernalia and had different memorabilia from different times of sports things and things like that. And it was fun while it lasted. And I thought that that would open up a level of communication for us and bring us to the next level of depth in the marriage, but it didn't. My spouse had... Definitely had an idol before marriage. And I had no way of knowing that this was an idol for him. I didn't know the history behind it. I just could not have ever fathomed that this would have been such a great idol for him. But the idolatry of his son from a previous marriage became a huge factor in our marriage. From day one, from day one. And I'm saying like, okay, before I even had children, my mind was on the child. My mind was on uh, making sure that he was settled and that he was okay. And if the Lord would allow for him to um, blend into the household And to live with us, my mind was always on his stability and making sure that he was okay. Always, before I even fathom having children of our own. But once we had a child, and as we were going through the motions of a new marriage, the idea of bringing in another child into the marriage who now has pronounced needs, the new infant that we both birthed together, just had a need of a basic needs of, you know, eating, sleeping, changing poopy diapers, you know, seeing to healthcare needs. But to bring a young adult into the marriage, an adolescent with all that comes along with parenting, I didn't think it was the right time. So as my spouse wanted me to um, prematurely agree to usher him into the relationship when we hadn't even had a chance to yoke yet, I was like, no. And what I said before in the previous marriage, this word no, not previous marriage, I mean in a different episode, this word no, if you can't tell someone no without them completely losing it or shutting down, red flag. That was a red flag for me. 
me telling my spouse my response of no to hit to having his son prematurely be ushered into our into our lives to live permanently right after marriage that was like that was like a bullet going up and coming straight down and remember at this time I hadn't even had a child yet that was like a bullet going in the sky and coming right down it was like you could have dropped the mic and just said that the emotional disconnect in this marriage is here forevermore you know I had no idea that his son was such an idol for him. And the the idolatry came because the lust of having his son, the passion of having his son in the household with him, in a brand new marriage where he just got married to his spouse without any consideration or consolement or even a process of transference. I don't think a child should just be ushered into a home where there hasn't even been a process of making way for that child in a healthy manner. His son lived thousands of miles away. So the expectation was for me to just be okay with him coming to live with us right after marriage just because he came as an attendee, and that wasn't going to work for me. So we worked through, um, not worked through, actually, no, we didn't work through. I went through a phase of emotional detachment from my spouse almost immediately after marriage because I told him no. And that made me feel like it wasn't about me in the first place. Did Was this marriage a way for you to have stability, to have your your child in the home with you? These questions used to go through my mind. And I say this honestly and truthfully because I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one who feels, as I said before in another episode, that I was bamboozled, that I was um, uh, bamboozled in many ways in this marriage initially. That is exactly how I felt. I came into the marriage with my hands straight up. And when I say that, I mean my hands were clean. I had no type of baggage. My hands were clean. The, the only baggage I had was financial from going to school, and I still have that to this day. But as far as any other um, baggage that would cause me to be a liability, I literally came into the marriage with clean hands, and I came in with a warm hug, wanting to accept whatever and whatever came from the circumstances of my husband having a child with someone else before marriage. I wanted to come in and work through that. But what I didn't want to do was accept the child prematurely into the marriage. And what I didn't want to do is be a willing participant of a third will marriage where my spouse's ex-wife, who is the mother of his son, is wanting me to allow her to be a friend in this marriage so that she can be a contributing factor. When I say hell no to the third degree, Oh no. Now now we now Oakland about to come out. No, no, it ain't about to. <laughs> Oakland came out. Oakland came out at that point. And not a no roo roo rah rah whoop whoop whoop. More so like boop baseline standard. Like the operator no. Like I don't even what? No. And then I got a chance to see, like, man. Wow. So this is going to be a journey for sure. Because now I'm seeing that I've married someone who still has an emotional attachment to their ex 
And it all has to do with the umbilical cord not being cut. And then I'm seeing that the things that I found in the phone also were a direct circumstance of the umbilical cord in situations not being cut. Everyone had a life before married marriage. If you're dating someone, they had a life before you. Understood. But when a person says, I do, or when a, per- when a person says exclusive, remember, I don't really believe in dating. So I'm not really here to talk about boyfriends and girlfriends, quite honestly. But when a, a person says, I do, or they agree to exclusivity, there should be cutting of the umbilical cord in any past relationship. And specifically for the case of my spouse, you are becoming one with one person. Your mama, your auntie, your uncle, your cousin, your loosey-goosey granny with the hose in her panties. Ain't nobody supposed to have a foothold or a pillow in your bed. So as things begin to unravel, and I'm jumping between before I had children and, and when we had our first child, but it, the cohesion literally is like 11 months between all of this. But as I'm starting to see this, I'm like, man, okay, okay. Initially, when it comes to the... um situation of enmeshment with my spouse's son's mother, um, it definitely made sense to me that with the personality that he has and the history that he gave to me and that she confirmed when I finally agreed to have a conversation with her, I wasn't going to do anything on her terms. It's when I agreed to have a conversation with her. Because the two are becoming one. And I wasn't looking for uh, any vouching or two cents from anybody outside of him because he's a grown person and he should have been able to speak up for himself. But when I was good and ready, I made the phone call. And we spoke and I asked questions and I wanted to know, why did your marriage fail? What were the contributing factors? So-and-so and so-and-so-and-so. Whoever's listening to me. This wasn't no baby mama. This wasn't a thought. This was his ex-wife with whom he had gotten a divorce from. I'm saying this to you because women, we shame ourselves a lot of times going into dialogue with another female regarding a man. When I tell you, when I tell you, that is about the most shameful thing that you can do to yourself. I don't care what you know. I don't care what you heard. You are yoked up with that man, not that female. Regardless of what she said, regardless of what she did, regardless of what she done, he had to be a willing participant. He had to agree. You deal with the man. You deal with God. Leave that woman alone. But in this case, this female reached out and wanted to have a conversation with me 
being that her son had a desire to live in our household. And I respected that because I too let my spouse know from the beginning, I also wanted to have a conversation with him being that their divorce and our marriage was very close together. So I wanted to know, even though there was a separation that happened between them before the divorce, I still wanted to know what happened. Women who are married, if you're not married yet, and you have a similar situation like me, where the person that you're looking to embark upon marriage with has is being is divorced or is separated going through a divorce for one I caution you that separated piece I caution you because you never know what God can do in the separation and you don't want to be accused of being a stumbling block before God because at the end of the day that person is still married for one for two If the person has just gotten divorced, I would really do my research and find out what type of processes they either went through or are currently going through. Because the last thing you want to do is to accept a person into your life, your heart and under covenant who is getting ready to do healing on you. How do I know? Because that happened to me. You don't want to put yourself in a sphere with someone who has not had the autonomy and the justice of opinion in their own onus to say, let me set myself apart from this scene of dating until I can heal from what I just came from. That's called integrity. It's called maturity. It's called wisdom. And that's what you want. Lady or young man, gentleman, sir, ma'am, that's what you want. Someone who in their own right can choose healing over selfishness, can sacrifice over pleasure. So me and um, his ex-wife, we had a conversation. And then not too long after that, we had another one. Because of some the content of a text message that I found in his phone. Yes, I had gone in his phone again. Now this time, this was um this was right before marriage. And I said, okay. So I, I let him know what I found. And I asked him, and I and I let him know that I wanted to speak with her. So he made he let that happen. And she told me that it was nothing and this and that and the other. But my issue with it all is, and I'm saying this so vividly because I know I'm not the only one. In the bounds of two human beings, whenever there is reciprocation, take it for exactly what you saw. Don't read into it. Don't magnify it. Take it for what you saw. And if your standard says, I believe it's disrespectful if there's any reciprocal communication with the opposite sex without me knowing, then you, you hold to that. If that's your standard, you hold to that. Bring it to the table. Prayerfully ask God how, how you should bring it to the table. And you, and you pray that God would give that person understanding before you even have a conversation and that God will give you the grace to be able to communicate the standard, your feelings, and leave it there. 
Because remember, you cannot change anybody. Only God has the access to the keys of a man's heart. And guess what? Even so, God is not going to force a person to change. God is not going to force a person to change. That's not what, that is not what our faith as a Christian is predicated on. This is where the will comes in. Volition. Some people say free will. Like I said in the analogy in the, in another episode, a dog on a chain. I don't care if the dog is on the chain and the chain is 120 feet, 100 has a has a 120 foot chain. That gives the dog a lot of length to roam. But if the end of that chain is chained to a fence, the dog is not free. Does the dog have liberties to move around? Does the dog have a, a ability to be, be autonomous? Yes, but as long as that dog has a chain on its neck, and the chain is chained to that fence. The dog is not F-R-E-E. There are limitations to that dog's freedom. You dig? So with that said, you got to pray and ask God to go before you for in everything. And as a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit should always be your guide because we cannot walk in our own understanding. If you knew better, you wouldn't have even been in that circumstance. If you knew. I always say, and I said this about this marriage, if I knew what I wanted, I would have had it a long time ago. Evidently, I don't. If I knew what I wanted, I would have had it a long time ago, but evidently, I don't. So if you want something to go a different way, you got to try something that you never tried. Try an approach that you never tried. You want something you never had? You got to try something that you never tried. So, yeah, this marriage was based on mistrust from the beginning. But remember, my part, my contribution is that I brought in the mistrust on my own end based on a life of mistrust, a dating history of mistrust. And he would have to speak for himself as far as why he was the perpetrator of so much mistrust. We all have skeletons. It doesn't make it right. It does not. And looking back on things in hindsight, a mature person, a mature person will be able to analyze and course correct. Do this thing called marriage right and God will be glorified. The pitfalls and things that we experience, those are our consequences. Quite possibly, God may have allowed you to marry someone, but at the wrong time. You chose the wrong time. You you chose the wrong time. It don't necessarily mean it was the wrong person. And how I can say this with confidence is, You follow you wherever you go. So if you're pointing your finger out, you got three fingers pointing right back at you. You follow you wherever you go. I'm a firm believer and, you know, this has just been me. If I could be like 
if I could have no pigment to my skin, and I'm not talking about albino, I just being like, if I could be like colorless, I would like to go through this world and be colorless. I wish I could just check the colorless box because that's how I think. I appreciate most in all ethnicities from a cultural standpoint, from a culinary standpoint, and from the standpoint of just the human experience. I really do. And I wish there wasn't limitations on ethnicities and I wish there wasn't limitations in life based on the color of our skin. And I'm saying this to say that I particularly believe that the average person could possibly have the opportunity to be in a marriage relationship with just about any type of person. As long as the fundamental core is the word of God by way of Christian experience. By way of relationship with Christ. I believe that one human being should be able to be yoked up in marriage with another human being. If the fundamental of the Christian experience by way of the word of God and all of the truths that encompass it is believed by both both persons. I'm saying this to say that it is in God's will that whoever it, he wills for us to marry, we marry. I do believe in um, God's almighty power to have things predestined. I believe in that. I believe in the predestination, not only of my spirit, but the predestination predestination of God, knowing who I was before I was in my mother's womb and knowing the trajectory of my life, knowing that there's no way that I could have gone back in my earlier years and changed anything about the outcome of my toxic upbringing. But what I can do as an adult today is to look at life in a broader scope while on the straight and narrow, but my clarity is on a broader scope, knowing that the errors and the defunct behavior, human behavior of my contributions to this marriage came from by way of sin, ignorance, not knowing, straight up ignorance and not knowing, a perpetuation of generational behavior upon generational behavior. And I can confidently say the same thing for my spouse. A lot of times men yoke up and have these behaviors because this is the thread that they've been taught. This is the good boy system. This is the yoking up. And it takes a experience with the Lord and Savior. It takes a slaying down by God to break these yokes. And I'm believing God for that. I'm believing God for that for you. I'm believing in God for that for me. I'm believing in God in that for us. Whatever the yoke is, I'm believing that God is capable and he's able to break the yokes. Infidelity, alcoholism, sexual impurity, uh, yeah, impurity, pornography, Food, drug, uh, paraphernalia, cheating, a lying tongue, a gossiper, homosexuality, all of these behaviors, there is a root. The root is sin, but there's a root 
to the perpetual nature of this. And when we get down deep to the pain that's caused by sin and the and the outward um our behavior by way of 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 um rendering harm towards whenever the word is slipping my mind it's going to come to me but the pain of the sin and then we go and we perpetuate it until the next person it's an awful 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 manifestation of what's going on inside of our hearts what's going on inside of our minds what has happened in our world, of in our experience in this world, in this human experience. I had a desire during that season of marriage to have an understanding of where my spouse was coming from with what seemed like this addiction to um, not let go. It wasn't just in relationships with opposite sex. It, this was in a sphere of things. It's just like one person told me, if you're doing the same thing that now that you was doing in high school, if you're still eating the same kind of food, dressing the same kind of way, have the same friends, getting the same haircut, you might be stuck, stuck in a time warp. Now, that's me paraphrasing. You might be stuck in a time warp, yo. Like, you might need to get into the back-to-future um, ship and see what's going on because something is, like, missing. It's a tick not talking. You know what I'm saying? Because in, in the realm of maturity, in this human experience, believer or not, things change. Seasons change. Things change. It's by design. So if we're holding on to the same old, same old, same old, there's a level of, there's quite possibly a level of rigidity and sameness in your structure because there's a level of brokenness, quite possibly. I'm no psychologist or no, or no, or no psychiatrist, you know, I'm speaking my opinion on this, but from the evidences of what I've experienced in life, when things are mundane and routine, there's normally a sense of control someone is trying to hold on to. And that routine is giving them comfort. It's like being OCD, over compulsive disorder. It's a sense of routine that's giving you comfort in overly doing something, overly cleansing something, overly wearing something, always wearing the same thing all the time, having everything the same way, same breakfast, same lunch, same dinner. There is a there is a comfort in that. And somewhere tracing down that line of these behavior patterns that beset year upon year upon year, you just might find out where the glitch is. And guess what? It ain't nothing better than to have the glitch revealed to you if you're in Christ Jesus. You know why? The word of God says we take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. I'm a huge proponent of forgive and not forget. How do you forget? You going to make your brain go in there and unsnap the synapses? But if you forgive, if you process, if you go through the circumstance and actually figure out the cause, being that we live in a world where cause and effect is everything, every behavior has a root, there's a cause to every single behavior. That part I understood. I honestly think that level of the 
understanding of psychology in my mind has helped me through this marriage, knowing that every behavior has a cause. There is a root to everything that we do. There is a when and a why. Everything. Everything. So when do we yield? When do we yield? Surrender, yes. When do we yield? We can sing, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Then walk out the church and go pick up that habit again. Yield and understand the process. I'm yielding in this marriage. At that point, I decided to yield to my old way of doing things. And it wasn't me. That was definitely by the strength of the Lord because I knew I did not want to get married to be divorced. And I believed in my spouse. I believed in him. I saw his brokenness and I knew I couldn't be his healer. I knew that. I saw his brokenness and I knew I couldn't be his healer. And what manifested out of that was a level of depravity of my own self-care. Because when you're dealing with somebody who's harboring so many different kinds of spirits by way of behavior, you better believe you better believe that's going to wear off on you too. In some form or fashion, you will definitely be affected. So in order for me to stay afloat early on in this marriage, I had to pay less attention to my own presentation, pay less attention to my self-care so that I was able to First, feed into his needs or lack thereof. Because remember, my self-care was going out to parties, going out to social events, going out shopping, just being out, being social, soaking up life, enjoying life. But I decided to yield and cater to his um, circumstance and the countenance of his behavior, which was a homebody. Stay home, go out to eat. Go here, but come back, but not highly social, not a willingness to really be social. And I started to chip away little by little. And as one form of of infidelity by way of all that I knew at the time, um, emotional infidelity, cyberspace infidelity, if that's what you call it, social media infidelity, as it started to um, appear, started to lose more and more of me because now this, that started to chip away at my standard. A standard that was a rightful standard. This wasn't a high standard. It's not a high standard for you to have, um, for you to have a sense of value about yourself to know that you're better than someone, be, uh, someone cheating on you. And cheating is a cheating is a cheating. Don't make it, don't you dare 
sprinkle no sugar on that cheating to make your cheating seem, your spouse's or your person's cheating seem less than a grandiose affair. Don't you do it. Because remember, one plus one equals two and two plus two equals four. And it don't take a whole lot of time to get there. One pebble at a time. And you got two feet. You dig? It don't take a lot of time to get there. Call it out. What sets the captive free? Telling the truth. I started doing that. And it wasn't anything that I had to start. I would just say I was being myself. And the more I was myself, the more a wedge came between us. He wasn't able to get away with nothing with me when it came to any of these um, behaviors. He was not able to get away with anything. And I did not reciprocate back to him either. So then he had to then be accountable, which caused another wedge. Because if someone is trying to live in darkness, they don't want to be accountable to truth. But one thing's for sure, (laughs) and two things for certain, what's done in the dark will show enough come out in the light. It's a matter of time. I tried to reach out to his family, not mine, to his family to find support on some of the ill behaviors and interests that I found out that he was engaged in and dial tone. Initially, I got a reply. And then when I gave the request, when I gave the concern, when I broke down the situation, nothing said, okay, I'm used to this. <laughs> I'm used to drumming on my own, on my own drum, sheet, uh, drum beat. I'm used to having the world on my shoulders. I'm used to this, right? So I thought. So I thought. So I thought. And then nine months later, after our first daughter was conceived, I found out we were having another child because I submitted to my spouse's desire to have another child and another child came quickly and from then on out it was like downhill from there until next time live life Love one another and learn through all of life's journeys. Peace.